been, uh, we've been, we're about to be. <laughs> it hadn't been nothing, we're about to be. But this month, the Lord put it on my heart to do a series. You know, we're in the Christmas season. And there's a lot of things going on during the Christmas season, right? And I love it. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And I love it because we celebrate Jesus, but we celebrate Jesus all year. But I also love it because I love the decorations. I love the lights. I love all of that. And, and you know, I've got, I don't know how many trees in my house, you know. And, you know, some people get all bent out of shape over it, and I don't um, because I don't bow down and pray to my tree. Amen. Um, you know, I'm I, I, not being facetious. I'm just serious. I, I don't. I don't worship that. I don't worship the Christmas season. I just enjoy it. And, and I want to make sure that we, uh, you know, minister to others and express that same joy. And that joy flows from Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're celebrating what? The birth of Jesus Christ, right? Um, but I want to, it's in my spirit to communicate to you this month um, the greatness of who Jesus is. I think many times we forget just how great and awesome he is. We, we, we sing about him and we sing about him being our friend, which, which he is, but we lose sight of the majesty and the greatness and the awesomeness of the God that we serve. And so my heart during this next month is there's, I mean, we could spend years, obviously, but I want you to see um, that, that you and I serve a living God. We serve a wonderful Savior that is unrivaled. He's unrivaled, right? And so you may say, well, Pastor Rob, uh, um, you know, what are you going to tell me that I don't know? And that's, that's, that's a great question. You know, um, and this is what is in my spirit for you during this month. It's not about telling you anything you don't already know, right? But it is about the focusing in on knowing Jesus in a way that you haven't known him. And there's a big difference. Because you and I, we can, we can focus in and say, well, I know that. I have information. I know about Jesus. I know about that part, and that's wonderful. You need to. But the question is, is do you know him? So my question today is going to be, he's unrivaled, but do you know him? I'm not concerned about what you know about him. I want to know, do you know him? And, and, and I don't mean, <clears throat> hey, I got saved and I know him. No, I mean, do you know the things that we're getting ready to walk through? Do you know those things intimately uh, in your life? Do you know him? In other words, if you go back into um, the Old Testament, as a matter of fact, you go all the way back to Genesis where we see the first account of it, and the Bible says that Adam knew Eve, Right? And that was a Jewish idiom or term for intercourse, right? And so from the very beginning, there's this aspect of having intimacy to the degree that they use that word to say, I know somebody. Now, now we don't say that about everybody, right? You know, praise God. Um, uh, but 
but it is a powerful word when you understand that it is a relationship and there's a depth there that nobody else participates in, right? It's, 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 it's something that you walk in with Jesus. And so, you know, as my wife, I could give you a whole list of all the amazing things about her. And I could tell you so many things about her and, and, and how amazing, how wonderful, how great she is. And give you a, a, a I mean, I could even type it up and, and put it on a list and give it to you, right? But there's some things I know about her from experience that you ain't going to know about her. You see, what I'm there's an intimacy there, and I don't just—I don't mean it just in a physical sense. I mean even the depth of who she is. You see what I'm saying? There's some things there that you might get to know parts of that as you would get to know her, right? But that comes through experience. That comes through interaction. That comes through a working together. It's more than just studying about. Do you understand the difference? So as we look at this, that's what we're looking at is I want to know him. Now let me give you a couple of scriptures. Hopefully you, you brought your Bible or you got your phone out because we're going to run through some scriptures and you may want to write some of these down. 2 Timothy 1.12. See, Apostle Paul, he's writing, it says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Paul says, I know whom I have believed, right? And he, knew him, he knows him intimately. It says, for this reason, I suffer these things. He says, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to serve the Lord or to suffer whatever I suffer for him because I know whom I believe in. I know him. I don't just know about him. I know him. And therefore, I'm willing to live and walk a life that's unashamed. Philippians 3.10, it says, again, it's the Apostle Paul. He says, that I might or that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Listen, the Apostle Paul, he says, that I might know him. That was his heartbeat. That was his passion was to know Jesus. It wasn't just to know about him. It wasn't just to go and do some stuff for him. It wasn't just to go and preach the gospel for him. Paul knew Jesus, and out of that knowing caused him to lay down his life in order to make sure that other people got to know him. And there's a difference in that than me just saying, hey, I just want you to know about him. See, my heart is not just for you to know about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, it brings into a reality what you know about Jesus, right? And it makes it all work together. But just because you know something about somebody doesn't mean that you get to participate in what that knowledge brings, and so many times, it's easy in the body of Christ to say, well, I know that about God. I know God is my healer, but I don't know him as my healer because I don't walk in healing. 
Now, I'm not getting on to anybody. I'm just giving you some examples. I know Jesus as the Prince of Peace. I know he is. But I don't know him as my peace because I don't know him like that yet. Do you, you see what I'm saying? We serve a God. We serve a Savior who is unrivaled. And I'm going to share with you here in just a minute what that means. But if we don't ever know him, then we don't get to experience and walk in what that actually means. So it leaves me living a life that's void of the power of God and the presence of God and what he's done for me. I live void of that. I don't get to experience that. That's why people get frustrated with religion or they get frustrated with with religiosity, if you will, because they don't really know Jesus. They've just lived a life of knowing about him and then they get frustrated because they don't ever participate in what they were told about him. So they get frustrated and walk away. And say, well, that must not be true. No, the fact is, is it's still true. You just don't know him like that. Now, you can go back to the Old Testament. And if you go back to the Old Testament, when, they, when you read about the names of God, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, right? You have all of these um, El Shaddai, our, 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 our sufficiency, we have all these things about God, but those names were not given until they experienced him as that. See, they said, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer, because he healed me. Not ahead of time, but when I had that experience, then they would call that by name. And you can go read all through the Old Testament. They named everything. They named where it happened. They named, you know, the, 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 the place that it happened. And, and, and if you read, every name had a meaning that was associated with an experience. And I want you to understand that we serve an unrivaled God and you can know him according to his name and all of his names through experience, not just through knowledge, not just through information. John 8, 31 and 32 you, you guys know this scripture. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That word know is not informational. It's experiential. It's an intimate knowing. It comes through experience. It comes through walking and application of it. That's where the freedom comes from. It's not just from the information. He didn't say you'll just know about the truth. No, he said you'll know the truth. Because why? Because you abide in my word, my word abides in you. There's an abiding, there's a relational component to that. And then by doing that, I get to know him as that. And therefore, it produces what he says it is, it produces in my life. And I'm not living a life void of the power of God. Amen. Now, here's a great scripture, 1 John 2, 3 through, 3 through 4. So here's a great test of whether you know him or not. Right? This is scriptural. It says, now by this we know that we know him. By this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments, it says, he who says, I know him, 
and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Now, I didn't say that. I'm just reading it, right? It says is a liar and the truth, the truth is not. Now, listen, in him. It's not that he doesn't know what the truth is. He's saying the truth isn't in him. Because if the truth is in you or in me, and there's an understanding or a revelation of the truth, then it's going to translate into me doing it, or at least trying to do it, because we're not perfect at it. So this isn't about keeping the commandments with perfection, but it means that I am living out the life of what the Word of God says. And we have the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. But yet those seem to be some of the hardest ones to keep. Why? Because they sum up the whole Ten Commandments. And now listen, he says, if you, this is how you know that you know him, as you keep his commandments. You're a doer of the word of God. And it's through the doing of the word of God that actually brings the intimacy and the knowing because as you apply the word to your life and you actually act on the word by faith, it brings the manifestation of that in your life and therefore you can say, I know him as my provider because I did what his word says concerning his provision. I know him as my healer because I did what his word says. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just talking about applying it in faith, right? I know him as my peace because I did what his word says. His word says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in it. So if you don't have peace in your life, it's because you're not keeping your mind stayed or fixed on him and you're not trusting in it. Do you see what I'm saying? So there, there is so much here concerning knowing him and that's what this series is about. It's not just about knowing more about him, it's actually knowing who he is. All right? So I titled it Unrivaled and this is some of the meanings. It means incomparable. It means supreme. It means imminent beyond comparison. It means highest in rank or authority, highest in degree or quality. It means ultimate and it means final. Just some of the words for unrivaled about who he is. Listen, he is supreme. And I know we've heard that and we've heard people say stuff like that, but I'm telling you, he is supreme. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth. That means there is no authority in the earth, under the earth, or in the heavens that supersedes his authority. And you've been given what? His name. But how many times do we walk in that authority that we have? Or do we let life happen to us instead of realizing I have authority over life. Right? I have authority in this earth through the name of Jesus being in Christ. I have authority. And therefore, I have a say in my life. Doesn't mean it always goes perfect. It just means that I have authority to bring it back into obedience to the word of God. But it's because I know him, not just know about him. Amen. 
So let me read to you another little chunk of scripture here. So I want you to get this, all right? This is, this is important. This, the Lord gave me this, uh, uh, I don't know, it's been over a month ago that he put this in me and gave it to me. And I want to read it to you because I want you to get a different picture. You know, during the Christmas season, we have a picture of Jesus in the manger, which is great because it's true. He was born lowly, humble, born in a manger. But this, I want you to see, is a glimpse and a picture of who Jesus is in, in his majesty and glory. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. This is Isaiah, an encounter of seeing the Lord. It says, High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now go over to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It says, and this is an encounter that John has, right? He wrote the book of Revelation. So I want you, again, just listen to the words and listen to the description. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which much must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 elders, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and, and by your will they exist and were created. Now go down to Revelations 
It says, now when they had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and that uh, all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. I don't know about you, but every time I read that, it just does something. Because I don't just serve this, this, this baby in a manger. <clears throat> I don't just serve the son of man who walked on the face of the earth. I'm not diminishing that. But I want you to understand that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords and he is full of majesty and he is full of glory and, and, and he is full of, of the fullness of God is in Christ. And the Bible says John saw him and he saw all the saints and he saw the angels and he said it's 10,000 times 10,000, thousands upon thousands and all they're doing is crying holy and worthy and we as a people, we get to participate in doing that. And there's something about knowing him and understanding that when we talk about serving the Lord and walking with the Lord, he's unrivaled. There is no one that compares. Now, I realize we're recreated in Christ. We're recreated in his image. But you as an individual are not the fullness of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you, which is the fullness of God, but we as the body of Christ make up the fullness of God. You can go read it in Ephesians 4. It says, till we all come to a place of unity and the fullness of God. There is a place where we walk and we gather. That's why the church will never be just a, a, a group or, or a type of people individually, it'll never be just individuals out doing their thing. The church is a gathering of people that have been called out and called into something because we, as the body of Christ, make up his body. And you can't do what you're called to do without the rest of the body. You can't live as an island to yourself. 
and you, you're going to see it. It's already happening. You're going to see it within the body of Christ that they're going to begin to try and tell you because they're fearful, they're going to tell you, you don't need to gather. You don't need to be around other people. Just worship the Lord in your home. That's all you need. No, it's not all you need. You do need it, but it is not all that you need. So it's important that we understand that. Now, we all have the fullness of God in us, right? But as we come together and bring our supply, we make up the entire body of Christ. That's why he's not coming back for a people that are divided. You don't have to go very far to look for people that it's like their full-time job to try to correct the rest of the body of Christ. And they forget that the scripture says, take the plank out of your own eye before you try to remove the splinter in somebody else's. Amen. That's a fad now. It's the cancel culture, and it's even in the church. So anyway, just a side note. So I want to read to you a couple of things here because this is, this is what one of the takeaways I want you to have today. And that is, is that Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus says, I am. And, and, and these are some of the most profound and prolific truths of who Christ is. And you need to understand and, and at least begin to walk in the revelation of these things because they are necessary for your life. So we're just going to read through the scriptures. I don't have time to go over and explain each one, but I want you to understand that. And here's what it says. In John eight fifty eight, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And why is this important? It's important because you're going to see that Jesus is, is, is not something that's come and something that's gone. He's not just like, you know, we, we have prophets, we have others that have lived and died, and Jesus supersedes and goes so far beyond that. He's not just a good man. He's not just some prophet. He is the son of God. He is the third person of the Godhead. He's been there from the beginning and he'll be there through the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he says before Abraham was, he says I am. I want you to understand that Jesus isn't somebody who was, and he's not somebody who will be. He always has been, always will be, always is, I am. And so when you understand the person of Jesus Christ in your life, you'll understand that tomorrow he is still I am. He'll never be I was your healer, I was your deliverer, I was your present help. He never will be I was. And he's not going to be, well, I'll do it tomorrow or the next day or maybe one day I'll be. He's always going to be the present I am. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your help. I am your provider. I am your peace. I am your hope. I am your strength. I am your joy. I am. He always will be present right now. He is I am. He's not, this isn't about, well, maybe tomorrow I can have peace. No, right now, he is peace in your life if you will know him as the Prince of Peace. And that's up to you and it's up to me. 
Exodus chapter 3 is when God says to Moses, he says, I am who I am. And when you go back and you see that and you look at who Jesus is as the I am, he is the I am in our life and, is, and, and, and he is the fulfillment of that Old Testament declaration of, of, of God saying, I am who I am. And Jesus is the express image of the Father. He's the fulfillment of that. So let's go through the I am's. John 6.35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is your substance. He is your sustenance. He is the bread of life. Jesus said, uh, my, my, my life is to do the will of who, him who sent me. That's my food to eat. He's the bread of life. John 8, 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Listen, when you see that he's saying, I am, he's saying there is no other. When he says, I am, he's not saying me and a few other people. A few other gods, a few other religions, a few other beliefs. No, he's saying, I am. I am the bread of life. There is no other bread of life. I am the light of the world. There is no other light in the world that doesn't come and emanate from me. I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, verse 7, it says, And Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. People say, well, there's many ways to God. There's only one, and he is the doorway. There is no other way. There is no other way. The great I am said, I am the door. I'm the way. John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Jesus is a good shepherd. He's the head of the church. So when you talk against the church, you talk against the good shepherd. You talk against Jesus himself because the church is his body and he's the shepherd of his people. John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus said, I am the, he didn't say I just resurrected. When we celebrate the resurrection, it isn't just that he resurrected. Oh, I know he was resurrected. I know that he was raised up. No, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And because of that, every person that believes in me is going to be resurrected with me. And he says, not only am I the resurrection, but he says, I am the life. I don't just give you life. I don't just show you life. He says, I am the life. John 14, 6, he sums it up. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. I am the way. There is no other way. And if you want to experience in him in the way, then you've got to live in the way. You've got to walk in the way. You've got to operate your life in the way. It's not enough just to know that he is the way if you're not following him. He is the truth. There is no other truth outside of him. There are facts. There are factual statements 
But when those factual statements come up against the truth of the word of God, the truth reigns supreme because he's unrivaled. And so many times we'll believe what we see much quicker than we believe what the truth says. And he said, I am the light. I am the light. John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. In other words, the only way that you and I have life and, and that we get to, to, to receive life and walk in life is because we're connected to the vine. See, you abide, I abide. The Bible says that as Gentiles, we've been adopted, we've been grafted into the vine. We didn't belong in the vine. We weren't born in the vine. But because of believing on the Lord Jesus, having faith in him, he took it and he grafted us and said, hey, I'm putting you into the vine. And I'm the true vine. Revelation 1.8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It says, says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 22, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We don't just serve some religion. We don't serve and walk in some philosophy. We serve and we walk with and we experience the living God that we've been brought near to by his blood. You're not brought near because you go through all the steps, because you go and jump through all these hoops and you do all these things. You and I are brought near because he's the one that gave his life. And we'll talk about that later on. But I want you to understand today, this is who we're talking about. As we're talking about unrivaled, this is the Jesus we're talking about. We're not talking about just CLC church, and we're not talking about non-denominational or or, or full gospel. We're not talking about some denomination. We're talking about the living God. We're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who sits on his throne, the one who's high and lifted up. That's who we're talking about. That's who we serve. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. Amen. Because I don't serve a wimpy God. I don't serve just some man. I don't serve an image. I serve a living God who's mighty, who's loving, who's merciful. Amen. And he's died and gave his life. He was born into this earth. So we celebrate his birth so that you and I could know him. Not just know about him. We just needed to know about him. He could have just wrote us a book and say, hey, this is who I am, and this is what you messed up, and this is what you can't have a part of. But he said, no, I want you to know me, so I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to send my son to take care of it so that you can come close and you can know me. 
and have a relationship with me. Amen. Thank you.